Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from watery wastes to wasted warlocks. And today, we are talking about Wizards, School of Graviturgy and Chronergy. Hey, Brian. Hey, Will. Do you ever think we don't talk about wizards or wizardry enough on our Dungeons & Dragons podcast? Kind of. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm getting a lot of wizards from our actual play podcast. Like, That's true. Like you a, play a wizard I play on our a wizard. play podcast. I do magics. And you do the magic. It just is the way it is for me. You're but pretty like, high level. You're level 13 now. Yeah. So on, on this show, no. Like, I think, what did we do last? Like, illusion magic? Um, Something like that. That, w- that was wizard specific. Yeah, like I know, uh, yeah, I know I it was a, illusion and necromancy. Maybe God, that was a long time. Ago it was a, it was a while okay. back. Well, not like super long, but long enough. Well, today we are covering two very unique takes on the studied spellcaster, mm. wielding the powers of time, space, and physics. Mm. It's the chronomancer and gravimancer. Uh, these subclasses are very much embedded into the lore of the hit podcast Critical Role, which got its own campaign setting book uh, titled Explorer's Guide. To Wild Mount. Now, this is not a crit roll podcast. Brian and I are not followers of the series or experts on its lore. What well, little I know. I'm a spiritual follower of it. Like, I know what goes on. I support it. I think it's great for uh, the game, and oh, yeah. I'm glad people enjoy it. Your special guest, Jake, is a fan of Critical Role. And, and he was supposed to be on this show, but he bailed, so. Oh, uh, yeah, he did a lot. Today, he me. ain't your special guest. He's, he did a lot. He's he's uh, He's got his own special guest, and it's sickness. Oh, uh, that sucks. Yeah. Sorry, Jake. <laughs> Get better, Jake. I was about to drag you, but now I just feel bad. Sorry. <laughs> um, what little I do know of this lore is what I read for these subclasses. Um, now, I'm not I'm not the kind of DM that runs my games in established settings. I've probably said that on this show many times. It's a creativity thing for me. I want to run my own world with my own themes, stories, characters, etc. But what's great about D&D is that you should be able to work in whatever race, monster, class, etc. into your custom setting if you wish to, and these subclasses are no exception, so let us get into it. Yeah, this is like a high-level homebrew that went on that became like, yeah. established stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. So the first thing we're going to talk about is something called Dunamis, which, again, I cannot express this enough. I don't know anything about crit roll, but this is a crit roll thing. <laughs> so this is what the crit roll book says about Dunamis. Dunamis is the primal magical energy of potentiality and actuality, an anticipatory arcane force that helps shape the multiverse and might very well be 
what holds its elements together like an infinite web of unseen tethers. Those who study to control and tap into this near invisible power can suddenly bend the flow of time and space by controlling the forces of localized gravity, peering into possibly possible timelines to shift fate into their favor and scattering the potential energy of their enemies to rob them of their potency. It's cool. You're sucking the momentum out of space-time. Indeed. Understanding and mastering the forces that draw bodies of matter together or drive them apart, the students of Graviturgy, arcane tradition, learn to further bend and manipulate the violent energy of gravity to their benefit and the terrible detriment of their enemies. So yeah, we're covering Graviturgy first. Cool. Um, Graviturgy magic. Uh, the first thing you get at level two when you take this, as, uh, as with all wizards, you take your arcane tradition at level two. Um, you get to choose from an expanded list of spells. Uh, when you learn a wizard spell, the following spells are added to the wizard spell list for you. So, Sapping Sting, Magnify Gravity, Fortune's Favor, Immovable Object, Wrist Pocket, Pulse Wave, Gravity Sinkhole, Gravity Fissure, Tether Essence, Dark Star. I want to know more about that spell because it sounds fucking cool. Yeah, I was going to ask, do you want me to read some of these now or later? Uh, let's get into it. Uh, did you add them to your character? Um, I mean, yes. Okay, then let's get into it when we get into your character. Okay. Ravenous Void at level 17. Um, but the first feature you get is a feature called Adjust Density. Starting at second level, as an action, you can magically alter the weight of one object or creature you can see within 30 feet of you. The object or creature must be larger or smaller. The target's weight is halved or doubled for up to one minute or until your concentration ends as if you were concentrating on a spell. While the weight of the creature is halved by this effect, the creature's speed increases by 10 feet. It can jump twice as far as normal. And it has disadvantage on strength checks and strength saving throws. The weight of a creature is doubled by this that is doubled by this effect. The creature's speed is reduced by 10 feet, but it has advantage on strength and strength saving throws. Um, upon reaching 10th level in this class, you can target an object or creature that is huge or smaller. Now, this is interesting. It's got pros and cons to doing either to anybody. Right. It's very utilitarian. Like, yes. You're, you're going to situationally kind of use. I like that you can do one or the other. They have like a supposing effect. Yeah. Um, and. There's like, okay, so Naruto is not a show about ninjas. It's a show about like wizards that do push ups, I guess, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, can jump high. Yeah. You know, yeah. but they're doing magic. They're essentially absolutely. just doing magic. Yes, they are doing magic. And there's there's a character that's very powerful in the show that can do this ability. Which character is that? Uh, Onoki, the fence sitter, the, the Suchikagi. He's like the leader of the rock nation or whatever. The, the, I barely remember. I he's don't, a little old. A, he's a little old man, and he can, okay. he can fly. He can like make himself so light that mm -hmm. he flies. Oh, that's pretty and cool. And his ability is, is like, okay, I'm gonna get this big guy to throw a punch and then make him super heavy while right. he's throwing the punch. Yeah. and fuck you up. Now the thing is, this gives advantage of strength checks and strength saving throws. It would kind of be cool if it gave a little damage booster or an attack bonus. Because, like, I feel like that's what the idea of this increasing strength stuff does, but it doesn't actually... Strength checks don't happen very often. Uh, strength saving throws almost never happen. Um, but I guess this is an out-of-combat feature. So if someone's trying to break a door down, you can make them heavier. If someone is trying to climb real fucking good, um, oddly enough, making them heavier makes them better at climbing. I think uh, <clears throat> both would. Like, you can jump twice as far as normal. Like yeah. That, that sort of thing. That... It just depends on what how kind of flavor. How yeah. do you want to climb? And yeah. and I kind of like the enlarge reduce spell like flavor where if you uh, enlarge something, it gains a D four and that strength thing. It's like the missing piece of this. Yes, I agree. I agree. There is a missing piece of this. Um, I'm just trying to see. Uh, it doesn't. You could do this as many times as you want. It looks like, or you could do it. As many times as you want, but obviously you can only hold concentration, one concentration spell at a time. Right. But it doesn't appear to be a limit to how many times you could do this. That's so pretty cool. That is pretty fucking cool. All right, moving on. At level six, you get an ability called Gravity Well. Uh, you learn how to manipulate gravity around a living being. Whenever you cast a spell on a creature, you can move the target five feet to an unoccupied space of your choice if the target is willing to move. The spell hits it with an attack or it fails a saving throw against a spell. What? That didn't make sense to me. Let me reread that. Um, you can move, you cast a spell on a creature. You can move the target five feet to an archive space of your choice if the target is willing to move. Um, the spell hits it with an attack or it fails a saving throw. So those are all the signifiers that let you move it. Okay, I see, I understand. So either it's willing or you have to hit it with an attack or it fails a saving throw. Right. Um, so yeah, that's uh, five feet's not very far. It's okay. It's, yeah. I mean, like, you can get somebody out into or out of trouble. You know, five feet could be the yeah, difference. Yeah. I think 10 feet would be 
that would be That'd that be would be very stuff. meaningful. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's just funny how like that extra five feet yeah. is like a huge threshold. Yeah, like, even with monsters, like we just covered Grells last week, mm -hmm. right? And they have tentacle reach ten feet, mm -hmm. and that is just like so fucking meaningful because yeah, you is. are out of you are out of melee range right. when you're doing that. Yeah, it's why polearm uh, fighters are considered so potent because of the things they can do by while staying out of a, out yeah, of range. Yeah, and like bugbears and stuff. Mm -hmm. I think um, <clears throat> I think your special guest Jake did uh, in our Eldritch Night episode. He took like the polearm kind of thing to. Yeah, that's a that's a very cheesy. It's pretty much the. The cheesiest build in the game is the polearm build. When I built Quinoa, the um, the seahorse riding Triton. Yeah, I yeah, remember. Yeah, he, he had, did polearm stuff. Yeah, I never absolutely. played Quinoa. No, um, no, you never did. We, we don't get to play most of our characters on this show. Nobody does, it seems. <clears throat> so at level 10, you get a feature called Violent Attraction. When another creature that you can see within 60 feet of you hits with a weapon attack, you can use your reaction to increase the attack's velocity, causing the attack target to take an extra 1d10 of damage uh, of the weapon's type. Alternatively, if a creature within 60 feet of you takes damage from a fall, you can use your reaction to increase the fall's damage uh, by 2d10. Uh, you can use this feature a number of times equal to your intelligence modifier. You regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. So what, like three to four times? You can uh, add 1d10 damage to your buddy's weapon attacks, or if someone happens to fall, you fuck them up. <clears throat> I like the look of this. like. Uh, gravity magic like surrounds the blade and mm -hmm. shit and like pulls it down to the yeah. fucking ground like yeah. all crazy That'd Absolutely. Be wild. that's super cool uh, finally at level 14 you get a feature called event horizon you can magically emit a powerful field of gravitational energy that tugs at other creatures for up to one minute or until your concentration ends for the duration whenever a creature hostile to your to you starts its turn within 30 feet of you it must make a strength saving throw against, see there, there's where you make them light because then mm -hmm. they have a disadvantage uh, against your spell save DC. On a failed save, it takes 2d10 force damage and its speed is reduced to zero until the start of its next turn. On a successful save, it takes half as much damage and every foot it moves this turn costs two extra feet of movement. That's cool. I yes. like I like how the fail still like, you're going to get the effect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Once I hate you, saves that are like, on a pass, like you just fucking get out of yeah, the way. Yeah, it's, like, uh, it's rough. I did a thing. Yeah, should, things yeah. should be happening. Yeah. Once you use this feature, you can't do so again until you finish a long rest or until you expend a spell slot third level or higher to get it back. Oh, that's <clears> cool. <throat> I like that option a lot. Yeah. And I like the option of like t tying proficiency bonus to stuff, like yes. helping you scale and get more powerful. That was like one <clears> of the <throat> things in here, right? Yeah. Wait, was it proficiency bonus for this violent attraction? Um, no, I don't think proficiency bonus came up. Oh, I'm sorry. That's my bad. No, it's Middle all good. Once intelligence modifier, that's what it was. <clears throat> okay. So, um, you built a character. You chose Graviturgy for your character. Yes. So, tell me about your character, Brian. I built a stout halfling named Pain. <laughs> okay. He will cool. show you Pain. Okay, absolutely. I want all my magic to kind of be based off of the magic of Pain in Naruto. He did like Which characters. Pain? Oh, pain. Yeah, he's yes. like he was like the iconic bad guy. I feel like the for a while the there. series really peaked right around it there. Did that was peak, peak um, Naruto. And and the look is cool. He's got like these fucking metal piercings like all over his face mm -hmm, and shit. And mm -hmm. he's like, he, spoilers for Naruto Shippuden, uh, <laughs> the oldest show on the planet. It's pretty old. He uh, he's like actually undead, and like these rods that are in his body are like ways for the actual living person to like control through their energy or their yeah, magic or whatever yeah, yeah so they were just manipulating this guy so he's super tough mm -hmm. um i just wanted to make somebody very small like kind of be pain like, okay sure <laughs> it's kind of funny like i will bring you down to my level right right my height all the way um, down here i i like the idea of like making people light and then like doing something fucking awesome like can you imagine being high level and like bigby's handing people mm -hmm. that are all light and, like swatting them away from yeah the that would be pretty cool fucking I like that. hilarious yeah um, yeah, he's not particularly strong. I ended up going... You get a boost to dex here, so his AC is not too bad. He's probably going to land, like... Uh, I don't know, like the... Without armor, he's rocking a 12, right? So if I put some armor on him, he can get up to, like, probably 15. Um, yeah, my, my guy has low low AC as well. It's wizard stuff, man. I'm level 8, uh, and I have 50 HP. Um, I kind of took some charisma. I took, I took some things, like... Um, let me find my, like, background. Um... My background stuff. So with when you're a, um, a halfling, you get lucky. So if I roll a, a one on an attack, ability check, or saving throw, I get to re-roll, use the new roll. Oh, you I took have, lucky as well? 
Well, no, it's the racial trait for my guy. Oh, okay. I took the lucky feet, but uh, I'll explain why. Because okay. I usually discourage that's that. That's your rule. Like, yeah, you yeah, have yeah. To, you have to really lean into exactly. it story-wise. Yeah. Um, I'm brave, so I have an uh, advantage on saving throws against being frightened. I have nimbleness. I can move through space of any creature that's size larger than me. And then I am uh, resilient against um, poison. I have resistance against poison damage and saving throws. Advantage on saving throws against poison. I took the inspiring leader. Mm-hmm. Uh as a feat for my first ability score increase. Um, you can spend 10 minutes inspiring your companions. Choose up to six allies, including yourself, that you can see or hear and can understand you within 30 feet. Each creature gains nine temp HP uh, once per short rest. So when I'm telling them to go, I'll probably sub out the be- the tailed beast for like the broad of seven parts that my organization is trying to collect to like sure, bring, absolutely. Down, bring down the government and of the world. It's just a straight lift, it's pain. And then I took, yeah, uh, except pain but small. Pain uh, but small. Pain but smaller. I, and then I took Warcaster, which is like a pretty cool staple thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna be in the shit. So, so I you, you built someone very damage oriented. Yes, yes, so uh, in the show, Naruto Pain like can push and pull things and like manipulate their weight and he can like, um, uh, I think it's uh, Shinra Tensei. I forget what it's called. Where they they choose a location that is like the center of gravity, and like a bunch of rocks form like a little planet that's supposed to like encase them in that shit. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, this cool gravity shit that this guy does. It's yeah. gonna be cool for my guy. <laughs> so every spell, like I know I said I like assign those spells, but I was really just wanting to like I definitely want all the spells that are available that are new to be on this guy. Right. You know okay. I mean? okay. So. Um, I can I can read some of them. I think we should. I really want to know Dark Star. That's the main one. Yeah. I'm like that sounds fucking wicked cool. Let's let's hear about it. I have Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount here. You see, uh, if you're on YouTube, you can see. This is a very cool book. Um, it's got a lot of cool stuff. Very pretty art and a cool map. Um, so let me find my bookmark. Man, you took all that time finding that bookmark and only to lose. Oh, there, there it is. is. You found okay. it. Sorry, I have these cool like. I didn't know they were bookmarks. All right. I thought they were bookmarks. They're not. I yeah, don't know. they're certainly not. It's a long not. story. Yeah, anyways. Uh, okay, you want to know Dark Star. <laughs> I do. I do. Tell me about Dark Star, Brian. I want to tell you about Dark Star, but i got to find it. Is it on this page? The wrist pocket. There's, so there's some cool stuff. There's some cool stuff. Dark Star. Oh, it's the fucking first one. Okay, it's that's an eighth level spell, my guy. Evocation. Uh, it takes uh, one action of casting time. Its range is 150 feet. Um... VSM in terms of components. You need a shard of onyx and a drop of the caster's blood, both of which the spell consumes. Neat. Your fucking blood just vanishes into the ether. Concentration up to one minute. So this spell creates a sphere centered on a point you choose within range. Uh, The sphere can have a radius of up to 40 feet. The area within the sphere is filled with magical darkness and crushing gravitational force. You create a black hole. You create a a dark star. Shinra Tensei. I think that's the name of it. Mm-hmm. For the duration, the spell's area is difficult terrain. A creature within uh, with dark vision can't see through the magical darkness. Fuck you, dark visioners. Uh, and non-magical, non-magical light can't illuminate it. No sound can be created within or pass through the area. Any creature or object entirely inside the sphere is immune to thunder damage, and creatures are deafened while entirely inside it. Casting a spell that includes a verbal component is impossible there. Uh, any creature that enters the spell's area for the first time on a turn or starts its turn there must make a constitution saving throw. The creature takes 8d10 force damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful one. A creature reduces 0 HP by this damage is disintegrated. A disintegrated creature and everything it is wearing and carrying except magic items are reduced to a pile of fine gray dust. God damn. So you create a black hole. That's awesome. Yeah, you create That's... like a little mini fucking... Bad, bad yeah, time. You create a little singularity. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. We got like we got like different ones. You want to hear about another one? Yeah, sure. How about like a lower a lower level spell? Sure. Because that was way up there. So earlier, this this one looks cool. Pulse wave, third level evocation. It's gonna take one action of casting time. Uh, range itself, thirty foot cone. Uh, visual and somatic components. Um, I'm sorry, that's verbal and somatic. Uh, duration is instantaneous. You create intense pressure. Unleash it in a 30-foot cone and decide whether the pressure push, pulls or pushes create creatures or objects. So cool. I built the best character. Uh, <laughs> each creature in that cone must make a constitution saving throw. A creature takes 6d6 force damage on a failed save or half, uh, or have as much damage. Oh, it's. I think that's a typo. Or have mm. instead of half. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
or have as much damage on a successful one. Uh, and every creature that fails the save is either pulled 15 feet toward or toward you or pushed 15 feet away from you, uh, depending on the choice you made for this spell. The, uh, in addition, unsecured objects that are completely within the cone are likewise pulled or pushed 15 feet. At higher levels, you do more of all that stuff. I do like the tactical bit of pushing and pulling people around. It's one of my favorite things about the wizard from 4th edition. Yeah, this is very cool. This is going to be doing that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, how, how about this level 1? Magnify gravity, and then we'll move on. Yeah, sure. Sounds um, good. The gravity in a tent. Oh, this is a casting time of one action, range of 60 feet. Um, uh, verbal somatic uh, with a duration of one round. The gravity in a 10-foot radius sphere centered on a point you can see within range increases for a moment. Uh, each creature in the sphere on the turn when you cast the spell must make a constitution saving throw. On a failed save, a creature takes 2d8 force damage, and its speed is halved until the end of its next turn. That's fun. Mm -hmm. On a successful save, the creature takes half as much damage and suffers no reduction to its speed. Until the start of your next turn, any object that isn't being worn or carried in the sphere requires a successful strength check against your spell save DC to pick up or move. And at higher levels, it does more, more of that stuff. Uh, that's that's the basic stuff, you know, that's what you're going to get up front. Um, immovable object, gravity fissure, gift of alacrity, which I think you're going to, we're going to detail with your yes, character, right? Yes, So we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into a little bit more of the um, the Dunamancy spells when uh, we do Will's character, but I think for now, let's take a short rest. Indeed. Selling a little, or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, it's time to talk about Cronergy, which, just as a side... I feel like it should be called Chronomancy because that sounds cooler, but whatever. Moving I want on. it to be Chronoturgy. <laughs> like or Chronoturgy. Th like like Thaumaturgy. I kind of like that too, but either way, it's Chronergy. 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 Whatever. Hard G. Tomato, tomato. Chroner guy. Focusing on the manipulation of time, those who follow Chronergy or Chronergy tradition learn to alter the pace of reality to their liking using the ramping of anticipatory dunamis energy. These mages can bend the flow of time as adroitly as a skilled musician plays an instrument, lending themselves and their allies an advantage in the blink of an eye. Cool. You, uh, you don't think it's dunamis, do you? That'd be cool. 
Dunamis? Instead of Dunamis? I mean, maybe. Dunamis? I mean, I'm not a crit roll guy. I'm sure we're going to hear all about it. So let us know in the comments. How yeah. do you pronounce these things that we're bad at? Uh, I'll call Jake towards the end of the episode and see what he says. Okay, for we'll sure. get some pronunciation. So stuff. the first like Dunamancy or du- Dunamancy spells that you get um, as a Cronergy wizard, um, you get Sapping Sting, Gift of, Gift of Alacrity, Fortune's Favor, Wrist Pocket, Pulse Wave, Temporal Shunt, Tether Essence, Reality Break, and Time Ravage. We're definitely going to read like Time Ravage time or ravage Reality Break. Sure. Yeah, especially because I obviously this is a level eight character. I don't have those. I think the Reality Break spell is the one that is like a. Um, is that the one that's a like counter spell almost? I don't know. Oh uh, yeah, we'll, we'll to. check it out. So, at level two, you get a feature called Chronal Shift. Starting at second level, you can magically exert limited control over the flow of time around a creature as a reaction. After you or a creature you can see within 30 feet of you makes an attack roll, an ability check, or a saving throw, you can force the creature to re-roll. You make this decision after you see what the rolls, uh, whether the roll succeeds or fails. The target must use the result of the second roll. You can use this ability twice, and you regain any expended uses when you finish a long rest. So, free re-rolls. Guess why I picked a feature lucky? Because we're, yeah, we're, we're leaning into the re-rolls. Re-roll my re-rolls. Indeed. Well, aren't there ones that say, like, you have to use the new roll, so like re-rolling it again may not yeah. be an option. Yeah, but the lucky kind of like extends only two to basically five, but we'll get into that. Some wording issues with D&D. Real, right. Like Just most, use your best judgment. Like most games, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you also get another feature at second level called Temporal Awareness. Uh, you can add your intelligence modifier to your initiative roll. Now, that's fucking cool. That is cool. Is that in lieu of your dexterity? Like, in uh, regular initiative? No, it says you can add. So, if you've got plus two initiative, then it becomes, like, a plus four if you have a plus two intelligence. Exactly. That's or a plus really six good. if you got a plus four. Yeah, it is really good. Also, reminds me very much of fourth edition where, uh, in 4E, any character could use either dex or intelligence for their initiative. Um, just okay. depending on what you wanted. It's like a Jimmy Neutron brain blast ability. Right. Like, he's reaching for a sword. Brain blast. (laughs) Better get the jump on this. At level six, you get a feature called momentary stasis. You can magically force a large or smaller creature that you can see within 60 feet of you. Make a constitution saving throw against your spell save DC. Unless the saving throw is a success, the creature is encased in a field of magical energy until the end of your next turn or until the creature takes any damage. While encased in this way, creature is incapacitated, has a speed of zero. Now, this is awesome because, again... Uh, incapacitated creature is helpless, thus you're getting auto crits. Like, this is uh, your fighter's best friend. This is hilarious. Matt Mercer voices the English uh, the English bad guy in Dragon Ball Super, Hit. Uh-huh. And Hit is a an assassin fighter that uses, like, time manipulation mm. powers. And it literally, yes. like, does this in the show. I wonder if that's where super. he got it from. Maybe. He's, it was like, he has he to could. read all yeah. the stuff that's happening on that's the page. He's like, my that's guy's true. doing what? He put him in a time prison with his fist. <laughs> Takes notes. Yeah, like definitely adding that. To <laughs> yeah, campaign. maybe that's that's a, that's an awesome uh, connection there. Uh, you can use this feature a number of times equal to your intelligence modifier, minimum once. So again, you could do this. This is four times of putting someone in stasis and your fucking barb and fighter just going at them. Yeah, man, it's amazing. I love it. This is awesome. Which that's when it comes to my character, you're gonna see. I really leaned into the utility because these features are very utility. Yeah, but they're so helpful that it's like you don't need to do damage because you're making your party so good. For sure. Like, I like how when we get a setting like Eberron in this setting, mm-hmm. the spellcasting aspects are the most, like, interesting and unique. Right. Because I'm it, sure there it, are lots it branches of other cool out things. to more. Like, like obviously, Eberron's got all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. But, like, for mechanical game stuff, for right. character play, it's, like, wizard stuff. I love D&D. I love D&D magic. But there is this bit of, like, I feel like D&D magic is really drawn into this box. Sure. Like, this is a spell, this is what it does. You're right, until you get to illusion magic, and right. then it's like, here's a spell, I don't fucking know. Make it up, yeah, that's, that's true, but like, I do feel like a box is a little restraining, um, in, and maybe it's just because I'm so used to, like, obviously various novels and animes and stuff where, like, so magic a is a little more fluid and free. Free. I understand why D&D magic is the way it is, and I still love it, but you're right, with, with a lot of these more, um, not homebrew settings, but, but with these other settings, it does get a little bit more free flow. It, it is like a thing that um, is established in a lot of the lore, especially with monsters. Like we already talked about the hag. Was that last episode we talked about the hag? Yeah, the weird like magic. Hag magic, grell magic. Like there are other kinds of magic. You can make up what you want them to do. Like right. if you want to unbox it a little bit, you can. If you mm-hmm. want to have an NPC roll up and like start showing people weird shit, 
sure. can. Like, Why not? I, I mean, you really got to nail it down, though. I yeah. think like for, because that mechanic does help. Like with uh, like fireball has to do what fireball do. Yeah, because we need things to find because we are playing a game that has mechanics and rules. Yeah, you know we're on a I mean? board. So, yeah. yeah. So. At level ten, you get a feature called Arcane Abeyance. When you cast a spell using a spell slot of 4th level or lower, you can condense the spell's magic into a moat. The spell is frozen in time at the moment of casting and is held within a gray bead for one hour. This bead is a tiny object with AC 15 and hit point of 1 and is immune to poison and psychic damage. When the duration ends, or if the bead is destroyed, it vanishes in a flash of a light and the spell is lost. Excuse me. A creature holding the bead can use its action to release the spell within, whereupon the bead disappears. The spell uses your spell attack bonus and save DC. The spell treats the creature who released it as a caster for all other purposes. Once you create a bead with this feature, you can't do so again until you finish a short or long rest. I love this feature. It's, it's really fucking cool. cool. It's like, hold on, uh, fighter, let me give you, I don't know, Fireball or some other crazy wizard-only spell yeah. that they'll never see coming from the dude with the sword. Like, that's fucking awesome. Hey, here's, a, here's a fucking grenade, a magic yeah. grenade. Throw this at your yeah. leisure. It's like, I would love to get closer to this fight, but I wear cloth, so here's this bead. Go do it for yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Neat. At level 14, you get a feature called Convergent Future. You can peer through possible futures and magically pull one of them into events around you, ensuring a particular outcome. This is the, the Doctor Strange, if you will. Okay. When you are a creature you can see within 60 feet of you makes an attack roll, an ability check, or saving throw, you can use your reaction to ignore the die roll and decide whether the number rolled is the minimum needed to succeed or one less than that number. Okay. When you finish, use this feature, you gain one level of exhaustion. Only oh. by finishing uh, long rest can you remove a level of exhaustion gained in this way. That's a big price to pay, but it is nice to be able to particularly decide exactly how something happens. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um, also, like exha exhaustion is a big price to pay. People mm -hmm. really complain about the exhaustion mechanics in this game. Um. Yeah, I mean, they're supposed to be bad. Yeah, um, definitely. Like, I love them. Like, when you are... Uh, when you're rolling disadvantage after that like first day of no sleep, yeah. it makes total sense. Like you're bombing all your perception rolls and stuff. Like things aren't making <clears throat> sense. Yeah. Like, you know, you're, you're tired as fuck. Yeah, you're very tired. Um, I'm curious to see what the major complaints are. Like maybe I've never really looked into exhaustion or dealt with it too thoroughly to, to have much of an opinion on it. I think it. it works well. I think I like it. Just is grueling to have <laughs> disadvantage on every ability check. Yeah. And well, stuff you know like what? That. Fucking players are overpowered. And sometimes exhaustion you need is, to hit yeah. them with some exhaustion. If you have really strong players that do really crazy stuff all the time, don't give me ideas. Then exhaustion is a great way to to mitigate their power. Like That's if true. you want to kind of send them through hell a little bit, mm -hmm. make them tired as fuck. They're gonna be trying to sleep, and yeah. when they can't, it's gonna be frustrating. They're gonna keep setting up camp, having to move, like. That's a real thing. Yeah. And I, I impose that on some Underdark play, for sure. Fuck yeah. They come out of the Underdark exhausted with Hell some yeah. Stone Giant help or whatever. There we know? go. I like stone it. Stone Giants are they're like, we need rest. Stone Giants are like, you can't stay here. We'll walk you through. Uh, it's another fucking six hours of walking. Like, oh shit, second level of exhaustion is about to kick in. We right. need to find camp. Like, you don't know where you're going to get dumped it adds, out. It adds urgency, for sure. Y yes, and mm. you suck. So and like, you suck. You're urgently sucking. So you're sucking. real goddamn urgent. Yeah. Exhaustion's cool. This is a nice... I like that there's a mechanic that makes you pay in this way. Right. Because you don't see it enough. Um, so before we get into my character, do you have any any other comments or concerns or questions about the chronergy? Uh, no, just let me know when you want to want me to read spells off. You know? We'll do. That'll be at the end of this. So I good. created a wizard, a high elf chronergy wizard. I'd be upset uh, if you didn't create that. That would be really weird else. if I created a, uh, I don't know, a pyromancer. Um, <laughs> DeLorean Wells is his name, not a very elven name, but I like the name, so we're sticking with it. And his deal is that he is dissatisfied with the limited uh, lifespan of elves. They live a very long time, but guess what? They don't live forever. So <laughs> he decided to try and crack that code without turning to, you know, the, the drawbacks of necromancy or lichdom or any of that garbage. Yeah. Um, wanted to do it with, under his own power and in his own way, so he turned to the forbidden arts of tapping into the laws of reality. Oh, he didn't like hit up some terrorists to like get a nuclear no, reactor? No, totally did not do that. <laughs> nope, nope. Um, 
he um, he ended up cracking into some forbidden lore, and he actually was expelled from his elven society for it. Oh shit! So they were like, "You can't have that many gigawatts," and he's like, "But this is the amount I need." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, so he changed his name to to a non-elven name. That's why we got Delorean Wells, and not for other reasons. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's he's pretty well built. So we're gonna go over it. Uh, he's got. A 16 dex and a 17 intelligence, making that sweet initiative plus six. I've got, That's I love really that feature. Good. Yeah. He's squishy, only 13 uh, AC. I trained him in arcana, history, medicine, perception, and religion. Basically, like, he has like the same exact shit on mine. studied intensely into time, periods of time. He has seen the far past and the distant future. He knows things that maybe he shouldn't know or that no one else could know. And this is why he's so trained in history and medicine in ways that maybe doctors aren't. And, you know, he he knows of the great religions of the past. Like, that's my excuse here. He, he's looking at other time periods. Okay. Um, he, let me see here. So, you know, we talked about the features like chronal shift and mom, uh, momentary stasis and arcane abeyance and all that other stuff. Um, I want to go over some of his feats because I wanted to lean a little bit into uh, the time stuff. So the first feat I picked was Keen Mind. It increases intelligence score, which is great for a wizard. I almost picked um, that. You also know, always know which way is north and the number of hours left before the next sunrise and sunset. And you can accurately, accurately recall anything you've seen heard within the past month. And so I want to tie that into the time thing. Is just he always knows exactly what time it is at all times. And like anything that he has witnessed, he remembers because he's just got that crazy time memory. He's got like a bunch of fucking clocks on him. Like he's got yeah, like a pocket sure. watch and like a fucking little tiny like grandfather. What, what are they called? Like a Cogsworth size clock? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like a table clock? I don't know. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I never pulling shit I, out of his bag. I didn't really put any thoughts on how he looks, but yeah, you could totally go with a time a time theme. But um, the other feat I took was Lucky, and that's for obvious points. Lucky operates very much like uh, what what was the feature? Um, uh, chronal shift was that it? Yeah, where you can do a reroll. Right. Lucky is just the same thing. It's like any roll that happens, an attack roll, ability check, or saving throw. Um, uh, this is specific to himself though, so it's not others like the other one. Sure. Um, but he can reroll it basically. Okay. Something can happen, and he basically what he does, flavor-wise, is he rewinds time and tries it a little bit differently. Yeah, uh, that's and, cool. And tries to pull it off. Um, for languages, I try to give him stuff that like ancient languages. So I chose deep speech and draconic, like Ooh. some of the oldest languages out there. Nice um, that he has access to. Um, and then what I did with spells, I did choose new spells. Um, like, uh, Gift of Alacrity is great. You touch a willing creature, and for the duration, you can add 1d8 to their initiative rolls. That's awesome. Make people yeah. faster. Uh, temporal Shunt, I chose. You target the triggering creature, which must succeed a wisdom saving throw, or vanish, being thrown into another point of time and causing the attack to miss or the spell to be wasted. Again, love the time travel. It's excellent. Um, but another thing I did was I went and looked at our, just, you know, classic D&D spells, and I tried to reflavor them into something time oriented. Yes. Or I also just took like haste and slow, obvious, right? Sure. Time oriented. Yeah, bam, definitely. got those. Um, hold monster, hold person, fro freeze time on them. That would work for mine too. Yeah. Sleep, you, you fast forward the time so far into their future where they get tired. You know what I mean? <laughs> you fast forward it to their bedtime. Um, mirror oh, fuck. image. I, I only feel like this at 8 p.m. What's happening? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where's my milk? <laughs> mirror image, like. You know, there are constant decisions we can make in this life, right? So your mirror images are just alternate time versions of yourself. Cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that enemies abound is kind of a similar thing where it's like you are fucking with decision making and suddenly these people are seeing other realities where like people that weren't enemies or aren't even here are suddenly here and attacking them. Totally. Um, this is good. Yeah. Legend lore, like, I think where you can like recall lost forgotten shit that no one remembers anymore. Open a window in the time stream. Mm-hmm, exactly. Cool. So uh, I'm trying to think if there's, you know, blur is obvious. It's a lot of good crossover um, here. I'm definitely picking up on this for, yeah. my, for my dude too. Even, even mending's obvious. It's not that you're fixing it, it's that you're rewinding the time on it and putting it back to when, before it was broken. That's tricky. Yeah, so that's pretty much what I got for him. We can go over some of the higher level spells, but like, I, this guy was a little bit more of a College mechanical. dropout. A mechanical well, that, but a mechanical <laughs> experiment. I didn't go so far into the lore, yeah. But it's just like, how do I make a true time wizard? And I think I did it. So here's your time wizard. Hey, welcome to the show, time wizard. So let's look up what was that spell called? Um, the really big one, time time ravage. Yeah, tell me about time ravage. Let me let me find time ravage in this book. 
Here's uh, Tether Essence. That'll be the next page then. Right? Why is this book hard for me to read? Uh, I don't know, man. Should be in uh, alphabetical order, no? Uh, yeah. Oh, there it is. It's split between two pages. Oh, uh, this is ninth level necromancy. God damn. Okay, <laughs> not what I expected. Uh, uh oh. Uh, one action casting time with a range of 90 feet. Uh, VSM, you need an hourglass filled uh, with diamond dust worth at least 5,000 GP, uh, which the spell consumes. It's Indeed. instantaneous. Big magic. You target a creature you can see within range, putting its physical form through the devastation of rapid aging. The target must make a constitution saving throw, taking 10 D12 necrotic damage on a failed save or half uh, as much damn. on a success. If the save fails, the target also ages to the point where it has only 30 days left before it dies of old age. God damn. In this age state, the target has disadvantage oh, on a- got 30 days left. I don't know how I know, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> Wisdom of age. In this age state, the target has disadvantage on attack rolls, ability checks, and saving throws, and its walking speed is halved. It's like the ultimate exhaustion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Only the wish spell or the greater restoration cast with a ninth level spell slot can end these effects and restore the target to its previous age. That's fucked up. Yeah, I love it. I would love to age a troll to see what that would look like because they regen. Oh, yeah. Huh. And to make that's it interesting. like fucking fear its demise. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you know who that's the most devastating on is like anybody of the longer lived races. Yeah, because it's worst like fear. yeah, it's not being fast forwarded twenty or thirty years. It's being fast forwarded like nine hundred years. Years, yeah. Like there goes your millennium. Let's read mm -hmm. uh, Reality Break. Sure. Uh, that's an eighth level conjuration uh, action. One action for casting time, sixty feet of range. VSM. You need a crystal prism. Uh, the duration is concentration up to one minute. You shatter the barriers between realities and timelines, thrusting a creature into turmoil and madness. The target must make, succeed on a wisdom saving throw or it can't take reactions until the spell ends. The affected target also must roll a d10 on the start of each of its turns. The number rolled determines what happens to the target as shown on the reality break effects table. Oh shit. At the end of its turns, the affected target can repeat the wisdom saving throw, ending the spell on itself on a success. So, one and two, you're going to get a vision of the far realm. The target takes 6d12 psychic damage God and damn. is stunned until the end of the turn. <laughs> wow, big time. Three to five, you're going to get rending rift. The target must make a dexterity saving throw, taking 8d12 force damage on a failed save. Okay, or so this half is as a, much this on is a success. It's a big damage whammy. That's what it is. Six to eight is wormhole. With excellent flavor. The target is teleported along with everything it is wearing and carrying up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space of your choice that you can see. The target also takes 10d12 force damage Damn. and is knocked prone. And nine to 10 is chill of the dark void. Doesn't sound that chill. <laughs> The target takes 10d12 cold damage and is blinded until the end of the turn. I gotta say, these spells are very fitting for Super Quest Saga. Potent, yeah. Very Super Quest Saga y feeling spells. Su Super Quest Saga. When you let your Super <laughs> Quest Saga sit in the queue for too long, watch it right away. Um, here's Fortune's Favor. That might be a cool one to read. This is okay. second level. All right. Uh, it's got a casting time of 1 minute, 60 feet VSM. You need a white pearl worth at least 100 GP, which is going to be consumed. It's going to last for one hour. You impart latent luck on uh, to yourself or one willing creature. This is cool that like luck is a big part of this stuff. Uh, one willing creature you can see within range. When the chosen creature makes an attack roll, an ability check, or a saving throw before the spell ends, it can dismiss the spell on itself to roll an additional d20 and choose which of the d20s to use. Alternatively, when an attack roll is made against, uh, against the chosen creature, it can dismiss the spell on itself to roll a d20 and, cho and choose which one of those d20s, the one if uh, it rolled or the one the attacker rolled. Interesting. If the original d20 roll has advantage or disadvantage, the creature rolls the additional d20 after advantage or disadvantage has been applied to the original roll. That's cool. Okay. Usually you can't do that type of shit. Nope. Uh, at higher levels, when you cast a spell using a spell slot of third level or higher, you can target one additional creature for each slot above second. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I like it. It's more of the reroll stuff, basically, but yeah. in a different style. Manipulating like the time stream. Indeed. Do we want to read this Dinomancy for non-Dinomancers? Um, There's like a little section here sure. that's like probably go, worth reading. Go right ahead. Um, so if you want to do Dunamancy and you're not one of these classes, I think this is like a like a little how-to or something okay. like that. The esoteric powers developed and harnessed through the use of Dunamis are still very much rare and carefully guarded feature of the Kryn dynasty in Wildmount. 
However, such arcana is hard to keep hidden, especially in times of war. Spies and defectors have long smuggled out the secrets of this obscure magical practice, and even now it slowly disseminates beyond Zorhas. So I don't know too much about Wildmount, like we said. Yeah, you said I'm a lot sure, of things there. Yeah, we, we did say a lot of things. I'm sure people are triggered by the way I said them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I said Zorhas right at all. Right. I mean, how else am I supposed to say that? I guess I'll find out. Uh, Dunamancy spells are readily... Uh, so this is like very setting specific. It, yeah, it sounds like um, it. Dunamancy spells are readily available uh, to the wizard subclasses in this chapter and should not be simply added to the full spell lists of other spellcasting classes. However, the Dungeon Master can consider allowing other spellcasting classes opportunities throughout the campaign to learn a handful of Dunamancy-themed spells as rewards. Perhaps the characters uncover a cache of magical contraband among uh, which... So basically, I'm not going to... I'm not going to bother reading the rest of this. Figure it out. Um, don't give these out willy-nilly. They're very strong and, like, outside of outside of the setting, though, I mean, it's really up to you. You can kind of just do... Do you want to include these or not? Do you yeah. have the source book to, like, get them from? The internet exists. Like, you know... Yeah. But it's basically saying, like, hey, talk these out. They have, like, they have like story implications that this type of magic exists, I guess. Or... They could or couldn't. I, 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 yeah, and I guess and some, that's does. how some people look at it. Like for me, like a spell, like anything else in this game, it's just a stat block. I can just say yes or no. Uh, exactly. And, like any type of lore or flavor attached to it is at my whim. Like, right. So like for me, there is no complications of adding dunamisty spells. They just either do or don't exist. And if they do, then it's just cool extra stuff wizards can do. Yeah. For me, it's like if a player's like, I want to do dunamancy. Say okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's Same. probably fine. Yep. You know, don't do it wrong. <clears throat> Alrighty, I think it's time that we took a long rest. Let's get along with it. Hey everybody, welcome to the long rest part of the episode where we get ready for bedtime. Like, if I stop doing the Slippies thing, people get mad. And if I, once I start doing the Slippies thing, people get mad. It's true, you can't and win. they're both, like, very out, both parties are outspoken oh about gosh, it. Oh our audience is divided. I don't know what you what want you from the, me. The Slippies and the non-Slippies. So oh, I got no. you this embroidered blanket. That Thank has, you. Uh, that has all the beholders I'll be honest I do have enough slippies at this point it's a cruel eyes blanket it's got cruel eyes on it I hate this I'll <laughs> give it to my child yeah give it wrap your child up in this horrible <laughs> amalgamation of our, our bad brain stuff indeed um, so we're building a beholder Brian we are um, what, what, what are we starting with the feature or the uh, the beam uh, the clock chain what was that no 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 <laughs> it wasn't the clock chain no what did we flavor no flaves, you said the pain flavor flavors big flaves. clock chain no uh, you you mentioned the pain uh, piercings yeah um, how's this gonna work I don't know I mean you can have pain piercings all over his tentacles he needs pain piercings hobble man the Hobble Man. <laughs> Hobble Man changed his name to The Hobble Man. Oh, hey, he is The Hobble Man. He is The Hobble Man. Thank you, The Hobble Man. Um, <laughs> yeah, I need... I need. Uh, uh, that's it, huh? I don't need to know. Hobble Man needs to know. Hobble Man, I want pain piercings all over this thing. It's got pain piercings on it. Um, once I see it drawn, I'll be able to describe it to the audience. But um, they're black bars that go into the skin. Yeah. Hence the name, pierce, the pier the name piercing. Uh, anyway... I don't know what that looks like yet, but let's do the beam. Um, yeah, the beam is going to be the the reality break beam. Yeah, where essentially it's a beam that will randomly uh, replace its target into different planes of existence and time periods so for the, temporarily. The eye at the end of the tentacle needs to be a crystal prism because that's the spell component. Oh, cool! Yeah, I like that. That's awesome. <laughs> you um, can have an eye in it still. The thing is, though, reality break does way too much damage for uh, a beholder, so we're going to cut the damage in half. Yeah, it'll still be it, devastating. Yeah, whether if you're gonna do six D twelve, you do three D twelve. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's more fair. More fair because you're gonna get blinded and stunned and stuff, or maybe even um, like four D twelve might even be a little more accurate for a beholder dam amount of beholder damage. Righto. Um, six D twelve might actually be okay. I don't know. It does seem like a lot. Eight D twelve is kind of a lot. Yeah, I would um, say so. Yeah, with all these other effects. Because so, a beholder does three beams at once. So we have a randomizer within a randomizer. Indeed. You randomly roll this beam, and then and you then have to randomly roll, roll for its effect. It's true. That's fun. It's random all Everybody the way down. Everybody loves that. Um, all right, so that's our feature and our array. Uh, what else are we going to talk about today, Brian? Um, I think we have two new shows we should probably talk about. Huh? Yeah, Everything You Need to Know, um, which is like the 10 to 15 minute sort of like lore dump breakdown of one particular subject we've been doing really powerful entities so we got everything you need to know about Demogorgon was episode one shout out to Demogorgon uh, everything you need to know about Asmodeus was number two 
and everything you need to know about Tiamat is on the way, should be here soon, and I don't even know where it's going after that, but basically, a lot of people have called for more visual, like, video content with just a straight lore without banter, so that's what we're giving you. Everything you need to know, and none of the extra stuff. Yeah. Um, and DD5 has relaunched. We're getting one of those out a month. I think we did uh, multi-classing in the planes, and then we have sidekicks and hirelings. right now, yeah. yeah so, so. Uh, if you guys want some short uh, informational videos on D&D. Uh, the Dungeon Cast is the place to find it, so check out our YouTube channel, and uh, we'll put the playlist in the link, in, playlist links in the description, and uh, yeah. Yeah, if you have, like, new players that you don't, like, you're having trouble explaining like, the the basic concepts of some of the major D&D points too, like, you're kind of reading the book, I don't know, like, we, we compiled that information, like, you can explain the plane to somebody, like, in roughly five minutes or so, um, sidekick is going to be a really good one. Um, you know, when we have like basic, like how combat works, that can be kind of overwhelming for somebody that's not used to playing these yeah. ty- types of games. Or spellcasting. Yeah, so we want to like help make this game accessible to others. You know, some people don't do well with like reading a book. You know, that's just the thing. Like, yeah. Some people have a hard time concentrating on books. This video is going to help you out. Um, it's going to give you the basic knowledge that you need to get you forward. Same thing if you're like running, if you want to run Asmodeus tonight at your table and you need like a refresher or like some data, you'll pick up some extra data, help you get in character. That's a great place to go. Um, it's got a lot of the visuals you need and all the data you crave. Indeed. Get crunchy. Um, I don't know what else. What else is there? I mean, those are our YouTube projects. Um, we got a new background. Yeah, we did. We did. If you're on YouTube and um, like, I don't know. I I definitely was having a lot of trouble with like transitioning over to a new video software. Like the way the green screen works, it's like totally different. Um, so it's, it's time just to get away from that altogether. So we have a hard set background now. It's just very cool. I'm very proud of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Looks great. Yeah. So if you guys uh, you guys want to check us out on YouTube, share our shows there. That really helps. Um, I want you to go to Patreon and give us money. <laughs> if you could, that'd be great. Um, there's lots of cool bonus content there, so if you like the show and you want more content like the show, um, go check that out. We'd really appreciate it, as long as, uh, as well as iTunes reviews, which are extremely helpful, or reviews of any kind, and spreading the word. Um, be on the lookout in the next few weeks for Contest Talk. It's been a little while. It's going to be a little while longer. But then there's probably going to be a lot. There's the um, there's the new Feywild book, Strixhaven, and then they announced also the um, Fizzban book, book of Dragons. Book of Dragons. Fucking times. awesome. Gem Dragons. Everybody's been clamoring about that to us. Well, you um, want to get them for a while. A while. So those episodes on that stuff are going to come out. We're going to try and get into these books to get the the stuff out of them that that you crave, and that I crave. <laughs> um, yeah. That's, that's, all, that's all I got. I'm ready to call it a game. Let's call it a game. Goodbye. Talk to you guys later. Goodbye. The Dungeon Cast. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.